Welcome to another episode of The Real Paw Show, where artists share their heart about their passion for what they do. Take a moment to look over the episode's description to familiarize yourself with available links as they will be mentioned throughout the podcast. And now, here's your host, Paul Weiss. Welcome to The Real Paul Show, or welcome back. I am Paul Weiss, your host, and we are about to embark on another awesome interview with Alexander Misko, who is a guitarist and very passionate about his music. He makes sounds come out of a guitar that you don't expect. He does covers and originals. Check out his website by going to the forum and entering the keyword Alex. Before we get started into the show though, I would like to mention that I have created a Patreon page. So if you would just like to support the podcast and become part of the community of the podcast, it's only $3 a month. But if you would like to listen to these interviews without any interruptions, the actual edited down interview, and you will receive Patreon shoutouts in an episode and Patreon questions answered on air. You can do that for $9 a month on the Patreon. Now, if you really love the show, you can do the $25 a month and you will receive Patreon shoutouts in an episode and Patreon questions answered on air. Also, you'll get to join some live chats and hang out and just kick it with us behind the scenes and it'll be fun. But that's not all. For the $25 a month, you're going to get behind the scenes content. I'm going beyond my comfort zone here because this really shows up in these live interview videos that you will have access to for the $25 a month tier on Patreon. But that's not all, Mike. There's even more! For the $25 a month membership, you will also get an exclusive The Real Paul Show podcast logo coffee mug. Now, I don't know about you, but I gotta drink my coffee in style. Now, without any further ado, let's go ahead and get into this interview. Alexander, go ahead and introduce yourself, sir. My name is Alex Misko or Alexander Misko, uh, if you want to have troubles <laughs> with pronunciation. I'm a musician from Russia, I'm a touring musician, I'm a composer, and I'm a guitar player. I play the style which is called fingerstyle, and basically it means everything that was unimaginable 
for guitar 50 or 40 years ago. So now there's this whole new generation of players who do crazy stuff, who've been crazy inventive, and I'm happy to be a little part of this movement. And yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. Just doing my music, doing arrangements of other people's music, touring around the world, at least I used to before COVID. Yeah, and just enjoying life and sharing my experiences through the music. Awesome, awesome. As far as your touring, it looks like you took a little break out of February, but it looks like you're picking back up again. I saw that on your website. So that's cool. You're going around the UK, Germany, things like that. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be lots of touring in Europe. Actually, I supposed to be touring throughout the whole January, February and March in the US and also in Canada as the part of International Guitar Night event, which is like very cool type of gathering of guitarists that, that's being arranged every year. And uh, they bring different guitarists of different styles from all around the world. And uh, they play in beautiful venues, starting from Alaska and ending up on the East Coast and West Coast. And there are like tons of shows, maybe around 35 or something. But it didn't work out this time because of the visa issues, because it's not easy to get an American visa nowadays. I also supposed to be touring in the UK, but just a couple of days ago, all of that got cancelled because of the issues. Some war conflict is happening here at the border of Russia and Ukraine. It's getting incredibly complicated to get out of the country. I just hoping that my May shows are going to stay where they are because nowadays everything is changing so quickly. I just got caught in this crossfire. Yeah, it's a, it's a sad thing going on. Let's go ahead and start with one of my, my first questions. It's what is it about music that drew you in at like the very first time whenever you realize, hey, there's something here that I like and I want to do that? Yeah, that's a great question because I think to me it happened a little bit, well, maybe surprising for some people to think because maybe people would be thinking I was listening to guitar music or something. But for me, the first spark and still one of my like huge inspirations in terms of music genres, it was East Coast and West Coast rap from 90s. Basically, Tupac, Nas, Exhibit, Notorious B.I.G., Easy e Run-DMC, and all the school guys from 80s and 90s, Eminem, of course, who were rapping about all sorts of gang stuff. And I wasn't understanding that. I was thinking it's something about love and sky and lake and sun and <laughs> and uh, unicorns. But then I, well, I, I got a little bit older. I was around eight or nine back then. And of course, I was listening to music before that, like through the TV or on radio, but I wasn't really paying that much attention. It wasn't really grabbing me because my family is not musical at all. So it was never even an option to ask hey, mom, what type of music you like? Or, because they're not really listening to anything particular. They're not like, I'm a, I'm a black metal fan. So uh, it was um, it was just, it kind of happened accidentally. I don't remember where I found uh, all this rap stuff, but I was so deeply hooked by that. And that's another good reason to explain to people that music is not about lyrics sometimes, because even the rap music that, that I was absolutely not understanding what's happening there, it, I was so fascinated by it, because there's some very unique vibes happening, especially if the music is good, like Tupac stuff or Eminem stuff. They are geniuses. I think you could feel that even without understanding a single word what they were saying. There was just something about their flow, about their charisma and their music. And that was the first biggest spark. And then afterwards, there was the guitar period. Then there was the alternative rock period. But I think the first one, when I actually started to think like, wow, music is cool. And I want to like also kind of be creative with it. It was this this rap stuff and the most cringiest part of it is that i was so inspired by it so i was also wanted to record my songs right in english but i didn't know english so i invented my own english 
<laughs> and I was kind of doing some, I don't know, some mumbling gibberish stuff <laughs> just on the phone, recording stuff on the phone, keeping another phone with a with a beat and recording stuff like that. And I think I had a couple of, I think I had a couple of albums <laughs> on my phone. That's cool. It kind of reminds me of my days. I used to do editing. I would literally take cassette tapes mm -hmm. and cut them with scissors and splice it back together and tape it with scotch tape mm -hmm. to edit. <laughs> <laughs> so, we all did some really cool stuff as kids. You hit on something that I talk about a lot on here. That is the phrase that I use that everybody has heard a million times over. And that is, you said it. I mean, you said it without me even prompting you. Mm -hmm. And that is that music says what words does not. Yeah. But even if there are words that still altogether, it works more effectively, I guess. Yeah, correct. It, it, it hits the emotions inside of us. Mm -hmm. And actually today I saw something on Instagram. It was an advertisement for this man who creates music with body healing and mental healing in mind. So like mm -hmm. he purposefully uses certain frequencies to heal people through his music. And it's actually the second time I've heard that because I have another friend of mine that I did interview on here, Constant, and she is actually heading in that direction now. She wants to do music with a more conscious focus on what frequencies are being used in her music. I'm really excited to see this emerging in the music community because I started really focusing on my music last year. I did six releases and towards the end of last year, I actually, before I even met Constant, started to work on an album called Her. I haven't really gotten very far with it because I need some things that I don't have but I'm going to try and collab with somebody along the way. But the idea of her is it's going to be all the seven chakras, each one being about three minutes long. So it's going to be like 21 minutes of a meditation that it'll be three minutes concentrated on different parts of the body. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I don't know. It's, it's an idea that I've come up with. I'm, I'm trying to work on it now, but I want to get seven singing bowls mm -hmm. and of that as like the undertone basically but anyway um yeah, and congrats on your uh, six releases i think that's that's a great job oh well thank yeah, you definitely, definitely would love to ch check them out afterwards yeah, and uh, yeah and, 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 and regarding this whole frequency thing i guess yeah I, I guess if we would be approaching that more consciously then it's definitely there's definitely some correlation between i guess what music you like the most and maybe the frequencies that used there or just or maybe it's way easier than we think like i guess the stuff that we like to play or we like to compose is the exact exact frequencies that we enjoy the most unconsciously and that would be something to really see like especially if you start to concentrate on the frequencies knowing which parts they hit that would be interesting to see like what is it that we've played before we knew this you know <laughs> yeah that would be, that would be an interesting study And now a brief message from Ophelia on how you can contribute to the podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard here, please consider supporting the podcast with a monthly contribution. To contribute, just click the link in the description of this episode or visit The Real Paw Show on Anchor FM. I'd like to say a thank you for my contributors, 
and I would like to welcome you guys to contribute as well. You can click the link in the description of this podcast and donate $1, 5 or $10 a month. You can also do a one-time donation by going to trps.us forward slash podcast. And I have on there available for you to donate on Cash App, PayPal, or Venmo. Thanks in advance for your contribution. So another thing that I ask is, what does music do for you personally? How does it affect you? How do you use it personally for your own benefit? Um, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's basically yeah, that, yeah, I think that's also very interesting to, when, when you think like why you're like listening to music why you're playing music and to me just some sort of well healing and relaxation point where where for example i get tired of people when i get tired of socializing if you spend too much time with people to and or when you when you just being exhausted or when you want to clear your thoughts a little bit i think most of the things i i do unconsciously about about this like whenever i feel anything <laughs> i would much rather listen to music than talk to people or than to listen to the street or something like that because it just makes me feel better because i guess healing some sort of a healing thing it's not even about the exact specific type of music it can be anything that you enjoy listening to at this exact moment of time either it's rap or impressive suicidal black metal it depends on what exactly you're interested in in that moment of time but i remember that there was lots of times when i was just like lying at night in my bed before i was sleeping and i was just like listening to a couple of my favorite songs just like that on the phone without even proper headphones or anything just to calm my thoughts i don't know i wasn't even thinking that i'm calling call me my thoughts it's just something that make, makes me feel more like home. I think this that's the same reason I'm doing music and especially composing because I'm also doing a lot a lot of arranging, but this is more like a commercial side of my of my art, but for the composing, I think that's the most important thing to me. I wouldn't be doing music if there would be no way to express your creativity through it. Creativity not in terms of taking somebody else's material and trying to work around it to make something unique out of it because this is also nice, but it it can't be compared to the fact of creating something from scratch creating something that you would think would be the perfect idea of music because i think that's the whole idea why we compose like if all the music that we enjoy the most would be composed already then there would be no need to create anything new but i guess when you create something new this is your perception of a perfect music and i think this is very interesting yeah awesome so i listened to your spotify on the way home from work today and i was listening to the very first one that played on shuffle mode was eye of the tiger oh and i loved it i mean honestly i love all of your stuff it's just it it's such an exciting twist on the original and i did notice there were some names that i didn't recognize so i'm assuming that you've created your own too as well correct and it's up on spotify yeah yeah sure i think if you listen to everything in the shuffle mode there should be like everything from all of my albums so it should be pretty eclectic right yeah and honestly one of my favorites and even watching the video that you posted on instagram i was just like what wow uh, was the uh hogwarts theme ah the the hedwig's theme yeah from harry potter yeah, yeah. Yeah, the tuning. Whenever you play a note and then tune it to change the note, how difficult is that to get it? Because you do it and then you bring it back. <laughs> yeah, you, actually, that's... how do you keep that in tune? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, actually, that's super easy. It's barely an inconvenience. Uh, this is like the easiest trick in my pocket because I'm using banjo tuners. It's called, uh, they, to be precise, they're called Keith Banjo Detuners. They're being handcrafted somewhere in Buffalo, I guess, uh, as far as I remember. Basically, these are the banjo tuners that are made for doing the retunings on the fly because the banjo guys from 60s in the US, they were exactly developing these techniques. The names like Earl Scruggs and the, I think he was the first one to use them. The idea is super simple actually. You have the bag that you put the string through, but it kind of looks into the opposite direction. So usually the guitar pegs, they stand more or less like up and down. Like if you just take a look at the orientation of the guitar, if you hold it in your hands, your pegs are looking up to the, like, to the right. ceiling and another side looking down to the floor. So when you try to turn them, you should kind of bend your hand, bend your wrist, not in a very comfortable way from the very beginning. So when people try to use the regular pegs to change the tuning on the fly, most likely it wouldn't be effective because just starting from the fact that uncomfortable to grab them. And of course, by the whole idea that there are no stops, you can't really find the spot where you should stop turning the pegs. So you should use your muscle memory and it's going to take forever to practice and it's not, it's never going to be effective. But what's the difference with the banjo pegs? That they're looking kind of to the wall behind. So uh, it means that it's easier to grab them kind of, well, into right. this motion. Instead of going up or down, you just take your hand away and they are there. So they kind of hidden behind the headstock instead of compared to the regular guitar pegs. And the idea that they have two stops, uh, the higher screw stop and the low screw stop. So at first you tune your string to the higher note, whatever it can be, you set the screw and you go to the lower note and you set another screw. And the peg moves just between these two notes. It's basically unmissable. And the same goes for my tuning system at the bridge, because I have on my new signature guitar by Baton Rouge, I have this very fancy hip shot trilogy bridge, well, on my bridge, like at the tail piece of the guitar. And uh, there are some levers that also allow me to change the tuning on the fly. The system is similar. I preset the lever and I preset the screws on the headstock. So basically it means I can change the tuning on the fly from both. And that's what I'm doing in all the songs. Yeah, I noticed that on one of your videos. I can't remember which one it was. I believe it was one you were playing with the other guy that has the harp. And I saw you doing something down there towards the pickup area. Yeah, I think I have a couple of videos when I'm already using this bridge because I've been using these banjo pegs for years and I, well, know how they work. I actually picked these ideas up from John Gom, from Adrian Legg, from my like guitar inspirations who were actually the first ones to put these banjo pegs on the guitar. Actually, the very first one was Adrian Legg from the UK. He's already like kind of a British legend of fingerstyle. He's around 70, but he's still like active. He's still playing. And he was the first one to put his banjo pegs on his acoustic electric guitar, like oh, guess wow. in the early 80s. So he was like the first one. And for guitar world, for guitar players, it's still very surprising, even though this is a super old trick. Like you wouldn't impress any single banjo player with this trick because they've been doing that for almost like 100 <laughs> years. But for guitar players, it's still impressive. Yeah, I think... The only other person that I've seen do that is Marson. Are you familiar oh, yeah, with yeah, him? Right. Yeah. Yeah, but, but I've he's tried... doing it, yeah, but he's doing it a little bit differently. He's just like tuning it sometimes. He's not really like in uses it as a part of the composition. Well, for obvious reasons, because he doesn't have banjo pegs. Right, right. Yeah, I've actually reached out to him. I haven't heard back from him yet. He's a great guy. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we'll get in touch with him eventually. All right, cool. So this question, honestly, I mean, you're in your prime as far as your musical career. You're doing really well. You've got yourself out there with videos. You've got yourself out there on Spotify. You're touring. Is there more that you want to see happen 
with your music where do you want to see your music take you yeah that's interesting because i like from the very beginning i never even planned to become a musician because i never had enough ambitions for it well i used to not have enough ambitions for that because even when there was chance of for example trying to go to some music college after i finished school i decided not to because well the career of musician is still considered to be very shaky and unstable and what you're going to be doing when you finish that so i went to the proper university and i got my degree in linguistics and but during this time of when i was studying at the university i was still doing music and at some point i was just basically spending more time on the road than I was at the university. So uh, I still kind of managed to finish the university and managed to graduate. I'm not the best linguist in the world, but I, well, I have my certificate, so that's, <laughs> that's all that matters. All right? that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but at the same time, I was touring because there was actually two options. Kind of postpone all the offers to say like, hey guys, I'm sorry, I need to study. We can talk about it later when I finish everything. Or I can just grab these opportunities. And that's exactly what I was doing. I think that's why throughout all these years, I managed to build some sort of a connection within the people, within the promoters in different countries. So I have places to play in China, have places to play in the US, in Europe, in Russia, more or less. Russia has been very effective in this way. But for some reason, it's not very well in demand here i would love to play more in russia but it's like it's not really working out so far yeah so basically all of that kind of happened not because of my ambitions but because of hard work or maybe some luck here and there from the very beginning i was just happy to share what i like from the very first videos that i started to upload like back in 2011 and actually most of my success if you can call it is my humble success i think it's there's nothing much but i think most of that comes from my internet presence because uh, i can't imagine myself getting to the same level of like being surrounded by fans by people who enjoy my music if there would be no internet because i would have to be touring for 50 years all around the world to actually build this fan base but now thanks to youtube thanks to facebook thanks to internet i can access people way easier most of this like big sparks in my career have always been happening after some especially successful videos on youtube or on facebook but i think that's great i think that's great that the internet actually provides us this opportunity and i'm incredibly thankful to all the people who are just watching me who are just like sharing my videos and reposting me and following me everywhere because everything that i'm happening now is because of them because people decided for themselves that it's interesting for them. I would be happy in any way. I'm, I'm happy playing my stuff, even if there would be nobody listening to it. I wouldn't be able to work as a musician. You know? that's, that's the problem. So when you get to some professional level, you always have to float between commercial success and something that you really like to do for just for yourself. It's not that easy to find this right balance of not kind of pretending that you enjoy what you're doing, but maybe you just do it, you maybe you just do it for your like internet success, but not with something that you really enjoy for yourself. That's what I've been always trying to do. Like I'm doing these covers that people enjoy, even though I have like no personal connection with the songs. I don't care much for the song. Like you were talking about Eye of the Tiger. Well, okay, just some song that I think was working out in that guitar arrangement back then. Like I just recorded it and I forgot it and I thanks God and don't need to play it anymore. But people seem to enjoy it and that's great. But at the same time, I recorded four albums of original music that I truly believe in. At my concerts, on my shows, I believe in this music and I want to bring this music to people, even if they not expect it, even if they would be expecting me as like some cover guy from YouTube. I want to show them that I'm hoping that I'm much more than that, that I have something way more to say with my own music, with my own 
performance with the whole concert when there's lots of talking when there's lots of explanations when there are lots of stories behind the songs that it would be impressive from the technical standpoint of the people who just maybe would be surprised just by the fact that you can get all the sounds out of the guitar all these different tones in every song there would be something new even if you don't like the music maybe you would be impressed just by the fact how it sounds and if you like the music then it's even better. So that's that's the whole idea, to share what I really believe in. And actually, it's easier to do on the concerts because then I have the people's attention already. I can throw a couple of covers here and there, but still, I don't want to betray myself. I don't want to betray right. who I am and why I'm doing music in the first place. I can't imagine playing a cover program, cover set list. Like, that would definitely kill me as a musician. And it is working out. I never had a single person after the show coming at me and saying, well, you know, it was cool, but, like, why didn't you play Bon Jovi song? Like, thankfully, it, <laughs> thankfully it has never happened. <laughs> Yet. <Sorry>. Uh <laughs> We'll be right back after the break. We now return you to the interview. When you record your music, are you using a producer or are you doing them yourself? Yeah, uh, actually my team, the people who work with me closely, is very limited. There are literally three people. There's my manager who is uh, in charge of my bookings, all the other agencies that arrange stuff for me, but I'm not really directly involved into it, so just my manager's work. My sound engineer, but it's not my personal sound engineer, I pay him for work, but just because we've been working together for so long, he knows my stuff better than anybody else, because we've been going from from one microphone for a guitar to the setup that I have now with like 11 signals with four microphones, six pickups. So, and it, it, it took like eight years or something, but we, well, we, we were growing together. And there's mm -hmm. videographer. My videographer, I sometimes I change videographers, but videographer is also important, but I, I do the editing afterwards myself. So I, and I got pretty experienced in that because most of the videos you see on my channel were edited by me. So I think I can get something together even if the original material is not that good. So I'm also getting experienced with that. But for the music recording, especially the studio, I trust my sound engineer wholeheartedly. What we're doing there is that we record the song first in little pieces, like 5, 10 second, 15 second pieces, because I don't want to practice song perfectly. I don't need to play it afterwards, so I should be bothering myself, right? I record the song, then we glue it all together, and then I'm going crazy perfectionist, like, okay, this harmonic here doesn't sound that good. In the second verse, it sounded better. So we take this little harmonic, put it in there, and like, for example, okay, there's the melody in the chorus. How we can make it a little bit more stand out okay let's put some synth underneath it and nobody would notice that but there are some synths here and there and like some little tricks to make it sound a little bit more powerful and to me like this whole studio work mastering especially the process afterwards when everything's already recorded has become such an additional and amazing amazingly excited outlet for creativity because uh, because we have so many channels like my guitar is basically full of pickups it's like way more electric than any regular electric guitar there's like 14 oh. piezo elements in it there's magnetic pickup like an electric guitar there's microphone inside and my piezo elements they are separated in different groups so there's a snare drum pickup there's a kick drum pickup there's a right side percussion pickup there's a left side percussion pickup and it means that there are lots of things that are panned for example and i really like panning when something is happening on the left side on the right side and usually you don't think it's really possible when you just record a solo guitar because what's to pan there right there's nothing there's just one guitar but in my situation in my case there's lots of things that you can pan uh, all sorts of drums you can you can even pan some strings if you want to but most of the time we just do drums but if I would go in even in a more crazy mode, 
I could be putting separate pickups for every string, and we could be putting strings into different like spectra of stereo image. Oh. <laughs> I'm just I'm just not going that crazy because that thing would would take so much effort and nobody would be noticing that because we also need to realize that most of the people would be listening to your music most likely on their phones so you would notice all these cool tricks that we're putting in there only on the proper stereo system or in good headphones but if you would bother yourself to do that then I'm trying to make sure that people would be impressed the ones who would want to listen to my music properly and as I said I'm thankful to my engineer for that because we're just doing such a separate creative process there so one thing is to compose a song like on an acoustic guitar then record it and then there's another creative step on it to make it cool with all the effects with all the banging yeah. with everything else dang and I thought and of course, I was being of course cool. it's unplayable of course it's, un it's definitely unplayable live in this exact yeah. way it's, it's like it's too perfect it's too polished but that's the whole idea of the studio recording. Yeah, yeah. And I thought I was being cool on my Battle of the Flutes song. I had some wind and I made the wind kind of circle around you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you are like way out there. That's cool. That's really cool. I actually am one of those people who would see that and would recognize it because I want to, in the future, be doing more spatial creativity so that whenever you do wear a good headset, you will be immersed in the music. That's what my idea behind that is. Well, the, the um, problem about it is is that we also need to realize that most of the people would be listening to the music still in like in AirPods or in or just on their phones or on these Bluetooth speakers that are mono. Right. So it means that all your stereo tricks just just go out the window. Go out the window. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> that's the biggest problem. Yeah. You, you like you, you can spend hours just putting all the stuff all around the, in the stereo image, and then those guys would be listening to it on their like Bluetooth speaker yep. and. And all would be squashed and like out of balance. And yeah, yeah, that is an unfortunate thing. But I guess we could always just release two, have one that's been monetized, <laughs> monetized. Yeah, monetized. <laughs> yeah, that's cool, man. I do want to mention for you, like with your covers, and I would not have even known that you're like, eh, covers, because when you do your covers, I mean, you put a lot of you into it and i think that that's one of the cool things that attracts fans whenever you do a cover you put your own fingerprint on it and it makes it like a fresh sound with yours the first thought that come to my head whenever i started listening to your music on the way home dang this is like an adventure in the music, I mean, it was just really exciting, really, like all the little tricks that you do, mm -hmm. it's your own fingerprint and your own twist on the original. And I thought that was really nice. It was, it was very enjoyable. So my listeners, check his Spotify out. I promise <laughs> you will not be disappointed. You'll love it. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, no problem. And another thing, too, is I know my dad listens to my podcast. Mm -hmm. So, Dad, he's a guitarist. Go listen. <laughs> Hi, Paul's dad. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I was little, he had a steel string guitar and a classical cat gut string guitar. And I remember listening to him play. And he would say he didn't play well, but he played. I mean, as a kid, I thought it was awesome. But um, I grew up 
listening to classical. And as I got a little older, I started venturing into techno, uh, which if you listen to my releases, you're going to be like, okay, how did that influence this? (laughs) Because most of my releases are like uh, piano and wind instruments, like really relaxed, really um, Native American kind of sound. But yeah, so is there anything that you would like to say to the musicians out there who are just cover it all, like learning musicians, musicians who are seasoned, but still exploring? What would you say to encourage other musicians? I'll just leave it at that. Encourage other musicians. Well, I always say that it's important just to enjoy what you're doing and sometimes not try to set impossible goals for yourself. In terms of, like, for example, not everyone should be playing the guitar like I do. It's not because there's something crazy, genius, or impossible about it. It's totally not. It's all doable. It's all practicable and just takes time and well, efforts like everything else. But I'm just saying that maybe you just enjoy singing campfire songs. Maybe your heart is there. If you want to, like, approach the instrument... You don't always have to think in terms of virtuosity, in terms of trying to look look up to some like electric guitar giants or like all these crazy guys who like do stuff with acoustic guitars nowadays. Because like maybe it's not really you. Maybe if you just enjoy doing simple things but putting your heart into it, then that's all what it needs to be. Uh, it's not a, it's not about technicality. It's not about proving to somebody who's the best. We all start doing music just because we enjoyed uh, for the, for ourselves. We don't do it for anybody. At least from the very beginning. Then of course when you when something is happening already, when you feel like wow, I want to show show it off to somebody, then but that's a different stage. But at first, from the very beginning, it's all just because of this nat- natural excitement that we have. That's kind of a inherent passion for music. And I think that's something very important, too, at least when we talk about non-commercial way of doing music. Because if it's non-commercial, when you don't try to please anybody, when you don't try to go into any trends, when you don't try to sell it, or even thinking about how it should be sell, sold, then, yeah, then just doing the stuff that you like. Whatever it would be. The most craziest stuff, the most, like, unlistenable stuff has fans because people believe in it. My, like, favorite example is the genre, which is called Harsh Noise Wall. And it's the genre that consists of, well, white noise <laughs> of different uh, of different sorts. So basically the whole idea is that there's a guy that just stands there in, in front of some guitar pedals and a little mixer. And he just, well, creates this wall of noise there with, like, all different knobs and these pedals. Most often there's some distortions and overdrives and all these fuzz things that create this kind of sounds it can be more aggressive it can be less aggressive and then you just create this wall and then nothing happens you just listen to it for an hour and there are concerts people visit concerts like that it's just like this whole subgenre of it's called japanese there's like the lots of artists in japan who do lots of stuff like that and there are listeners for that of course it's never going to be extra commercial it's not it's never going to like bring you a lot of money but if you believe in it then there are fans. There are people who would be listening to it. I'm telling you about it because I know about it because I'm fascinated about it. And now you know about it. And it, maybe it's not something that I would be listening to on my way back home uh, because it's more like an experiment than, than music. But what do I know? I just see that these people believe in it. Whether they're serious about it or not, but there's the genre and I respect it. And uh, like any other weird genre that I might not be fully understand, but I think if it attracts people, then there is some authenticity. And I think this is very important to keep. Yeah, and you know, I just got, I'm still getting chills. I'm getting chills and chills. And that is that you said, you know, if you believe in it. And I think that is so powerful. It sounds simple, but I've struggled with that. You know, I've struggled with believing in myself 
and singing because I don't feel like I can sing or whatever. And I I struggled with even the piano because I don't really know how to play the piano. I don't. I can play in A minor and that's about it, you know? <laughs> so that's a good start. <laughs> and, and I mean, I've been tinkering for over 20 years and I haven't gone above that but i enjoy what i do and in my low times where i was just pretty much ready to give up on it i had thought about starting getting into music and doing some stuff and then there's always that other side of you that's the worst critic and that side of you says and eh, now nobody's gonna listen to it nobody's gonna enjoy it but then i had a group of friends that came up around me and basically gave me a face slap and, and, and said, look, you know, you love doing it. Just do it. And don't worry about everything else. You know, just do it, love it. And, and as you said, believe in it. And I think that is an important phrase for us to program into ourselves. But also, you know? but also, of course, being not only believe in it, but also like I think being aware of like of still what you can improve on. Because like, for example, the child just banging cups can also be probably would be believing that this is like makes sense that this is music but i think because we have all sorts of inspirations around us and we can easily choose the artistic direction and what's happening there or at least not even the artistic direction the music that we enjoy the music that's within us already that well kind of still pops up when you compose something by yourself because composing what what is composing right it's just building your own music out of the bricks of other people's music that you got digested throughout all those years, either unconsciously or consciously. I think this understanding also can give you a perception of whether it's like how, how good it is. Because I think that there's a very fine line in between believing in it just because it's your art, like you put your heart and soul in it. And also there's this critique moment of like kind of looking at the song from the producer's perspective. Like, <laughs> like is it really compatible? Like uh, comparable and compatible to like what's what's happening in the similar genre because no matter what you're going to be doing there are already people who've done it before like, and actually that's great because you always have this beacons this orienters that can guide you into something right because there is nothing that's happening out of nowhere everything no matter every note that you play you heard it somewhere before every note is not yours but what's yours is when, when you combine it all together this all foreign notes into your order that's when the music becomes but but like if you would be breaking it down into little phrases and stuff it's gonna be other people's music because that's how the brain works i never really thought about it that way but i was playing on a tiktok live i had just got this and now a quick word from our sponsor are you wanting a haircut trim or just a fresh new look in general look no further than Deshaun. Located in Lehigh Acres, Florida, their friendly and chill atmosphere makes you feel right at home while getting your favorite hairstyle that suits you. Check them out on Google today, that's D-A-S-H-O-P, for more information and see what they can do for you. The shop is a proud supporter of The Real Paul Show. We'll be right back after the break. And I was just kind of tinkering around with it on the live. And somebody said, oh, that's Jurassic Park. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. I went to look up Jurassic Park and it was, it was very similar. It wasn't exact, mm -hmm. but it was very similar to that. So our brains do 
rehash and yeah. jurassic park is, is is in everybody's brain it's like it's, right? it's it's too like how do you say well colossal in the culture yeah to, to be nothing to them i mean not to be noticed right and that actually kind of put a little bit of fear mm-hmm. like i'm thinking okay what if i compose a song one day and i get all the way through the whole process and release it and realize i just did a cover <laughs> <laughs> it was a hotel california all this time <laughs> I'm like so scared now. <laughs> But actually, you know, this is this is something that I believe like we shouldn't be actually be bothered about because if you think logically, there are not that many notes, there are not that many intervals and chord progressions that are used in popular music or rock music and like all these progressions have been repeated time and time again in different keys but it's still the same thing all the melodies have been repeated to some extent but so this is something that i think doesn't make sense to be bothered about because no matter what you do no matter what progression you choose it's not going to be completely new this is just something to accept but what makes it completely new is your rhythmical structures your choice of notes by the end of the day when the song is ready it's your Lyrics, for example, because this is definitely and even your lyrics, they they are well based off words and phrases that somebody used before, right? You can just like create your new language. So that that that's the whole thing. It's also applied to music. I think it applied to everything else. That everything what you do, everything what you kind of create from scratch still consists of this little bricks and pieces of culture, of music, of everything that you've been getting from all around you throughout the whole of your life. Consciously or not, most likely unconsciously. You just choose like, okay, I want to use this chord. And you most likely you don't even think why. But it's just because you heard it somewhere and you liked it. And you're like, well, that's the only right way for me to move from this chord to there, but not to there because this sounds, it feels better. And why it feels better? Because you heard it somewhere before and you liked it. And it kind of became a part of your musical vocabulary. Well, at least I believe that. Yeah, that's and that's a good way of putting it, like musical vocabulary. So in that sense, it kind of brings a clearer picture to what you're saying, because there's thousands of words. But when we speak and we rearrange those words, that mm-hmm. is what we are feeling. That's what we're saying. And yeah. Does that make sense? What I'm yeah, saying? I think I think it makes sense. Yeah, and I, I just wanted to add, if if I may, about the fact that you were struggling with singing, with not not really believing if it's whether it's good or not, whether you should do it or not. I actually kind of go through the similar phase now. It goes from a little bit different side of my creativity, but the whole idea is that I've been doing this fingerstyle instrumental music for years, and I already have like four instrumental albums and if you count the cover albums there are six albums and that's a lot and all of that is mostly instrumental and uh, since uh, pandemic since 2020 i kind of got my guts together and decided to venture a little bit into the unexplored territories of doing the hip hop first i was doing the mc hammers can touch this with which is kind of cheesy but i wanted to try it then i was doing the eminem medley of course like i wasn't sure about like my singing abilities because i will well it's rapping is not singing right you don't have to hit the right notes but but you still like have to be have to have the projection you have to persuasive in terms of what what you're doing it, sh- it just should sound good and especially in my situation it makes it even more complicated because people got used to me playing guitar and I've been playing guitar for many years way longer than I've been practicing any rapping or singing like I mean professionally I was never like rapping every day I was never singing every day to the same extent I was like I was playing guitar because I was obsessed around about the guitar like some years ago I like I could play for eight hours a day but also I felt like I'm kind of getting exhausted of of this of my creativity is getting exhausted because it feels like I'm just repeating myself already that I like 
not, not saying it in terms of like I'm such a genius that I can post something that I can't beat. <laughs> like this is like <laughs> absolutely not in this way. I would love to compose more, but it kind of doesn't work in me. Like I, when I'm when I try to compose something, it feels like I'm repeating myself. It feels like it was already somewhere before in my art, and that's why all these collaborations came into play and saved me a lot because I can't imagine what I would be doing without collaborations. I still could be doing covers, of course. Covers doesn't take creativity, but don't take creativity. But uh, original music does. I've always been thinking about also trying to do vocals on top of it, not only rapping. Rapping also would be cool, like especially if it's my original lyrics that I'm also slowly but surely working on. But I'm, again, not super sure about it because like, well, nobody expects rap from me. And this to say nothing about singing, like I don't have this heritage talent of singing like some people do from the very young age when they already hitting all the right notes without even training and that's my problem i'm not like talented in it let's say i don't have this natural kind of connection with my voice so i have to practice a lot i have to find the right singing technique and singing style that would be fitting me because i definitely wouldn't be able to do opera i definitely wouldn't be able to do Freddie Mercury. I probably wouldn't be even able to do like Chester Bennington kind of stuff when people have very strong and powerful voice. I don't have this. I would most likely go into gorillas <laughs> direction or like something that is not really, well, demanding. So people wouldn't be like, wow, he's hitting three octaves or like five octaves. And this is something, this, this is a lot of struggle for me now because I'm planning to record a couple of vocal songs. There's a lot of pressure because an inevitable pressure of people who already got used to me doing fingerstyle, like doing instrumental music, instrumental music fans a lot of pressure because they maybe wouldn't be accepting that in a way because it's too different or another thing which is more important is whether my singing would be on par with my guitar playing and that's the biggest problem because it's like if the guitar playing is good because i've been doing that for years and singing is kind of well well then it's gonna be cringe it's it's, it's gonna be like kind of well it's gonna be like provoking this weird dissonant feelings in the listener's head like, it seems to be okay, but not really. Like, something is wrong. Something is not really, like, cohesive, you know? That's the biggest problem. But, I mean, thankfully, with the help of the studio, I can still fine-tune and auto-tune everything. So I definitely would be hitting all the right notes. But the question is, how it's going to be sounding like? And this is something that I also want to just be brave and try to do. Because this is another thing when I was yeah. telling you about, believe in yourself and not think about what other people will be thinking because as long as I believe that okay I have good lyrics I have something to say I have something to say with my words which is important because well this may, there are also some things that you can't really express with instrumental music every genre has its limits and this that's, that's the thing I have something to say that I can't say otherwise than with words uh, I can still apply my instrumental guitar skills to enhance it to make it look, look like a not a campfire song but something sophisticated beautiful but at the same time with my vocals put all my efforts into recording it properly into fine-tuning it and then just let it be there. It doesn't matter if it's going to get views or not, if people are going to be like accepting it or not, because I think that's also very exciting to get out of your comfort zone and to take risks. Because to me, it feels like such a little thing. Okay, you're an instrumental player. Just record your vocals and just upload it. Who cares? But it feels like such an overcome, you know, inside of my head. And that's the problem. It's It might seem to be like not a problem. Just do it. Okay, just do it. But in fact, inside of you, it creates such a turmoil of mm -hmm. this kind of doubts and yeah. that's and that's why getting out of your comfort zone especially when you manage to do it it's so relieving yeah my first release actually was whenever i sang for the first time in a release so it was like it was a first for being a release and it was a first for me to actually sing other than of course i sang in church and my problem is i sing in the choir mm -hmm. and i always sing in the choir growing up from probably my early to mid-teens, I was singing in the choir. So I've sang tenor, 
I kind of go more towards mid range now. But when I went to go record it, I don't know how many times I recorded that the vocals because every single time I heard it, I was like, I don't like that. I don't like. I just don't like this. <laughs> and again. That group of friends that was around me, they're like, you know what? Just upload it. Their clause was, you can always take it down if you want yeah. to. And it, that was over a year ago now. And and how it went? How, how was the response? Honestly, I mean, I haven't really pushed on the advertising. I mean, I've, I've pushed it myself on social media. And the response I get from there, well, it's all my friends. So, I mean, what are they going to say? <laughs> You know, I I don't really have necessarily the the kind of friend that'll be like, you really need to work on that. <laughs> I, I, I really I, I would like to have some people that would do that, that would look at my work and say, hey, you know, this sounds good, but this you need work on. I'm relying pretty much solely on my own ear and my own experience in music from growing up in the choir. But personally, I don't feel like it as good as it could, mm -hmm. you know, but that said, after a year of it being up and occasionally I'll go back and listen to my own stuff and I'll be like, you know, this really isn't as bad as I originally thought in my head. Mm -hmm. I, I know it's not professional, but I I'm opting to leave it up. I have entertained the thought of possibly doing a recreation of the original song and making it more full. As it is now, it's just piano with nature sounds in the background. And I had the friend who gave me the face slap, I had her do the backup vocals to one section of it. Mm -hmm. And I tweaked her voice to where it's almost, you're like, is that a voice or is that an instrument? Because I kind of made her sound really ghostly. Mm -hmm. Basically, I just took the, you probably know how to do this. I took her voice and I put a reverb on it, but I removed the dry and just kept oh, the wet. Yeah, I see. It gave it a nice ghostly backup sound. Yeah, I want to redo it because while I'm leaving it there, the reason why I leave it there is because it was my first release. And it is a very passionate piece to me because I wrote this song over a period of a few years back when I was like 20s and 30s. It was written from the emotions of a few breakups and just different life situations where basically I didn't fully have the ability to verbalize to someone my anger and frustration. And so what I would do is just play. And that's where that song came out of was just those intimate moments with myself and putting into note stuff that I couldn't really verbalize because there just really was no words for the emotions that I was feeling. And that's where that song came out of. I think that's, so, a, that's, that's a great story. It's definitely something to keep. Yeah. And so the idea of redoing it, it's a new idea because whenever I released it, I was like, okay, I'm done with that song. Mm -hmm. It's there. I'm not going to touch it. I released it. I don't want to go back there with something that I wanted to just be done with. And that's why I released. I wanted to move forward beyond that. That's why the title of the song is Broken Resolution, mm -hmm. because there was no resolution to this song. There was no no ending, no 
no happy moment at the end. I put a Bible verse at the end, and that's kind of a resolution, but it's really not. Because the verse that I chose is out of Ecclesiastes, and it says, In the day of prosperity, be joyful. In the day of adversity, consider God has made one as well as the other. So basically, there really is no resolve. It's just a matter of, do you believe that where you're at in life is supposed to be? And so that was the basic ending to the song. And I did do a little twist on the end of the song that nobody's going to notice, like you say, and that is... I was playing three notes to make the chord. On the end of the song, I left off the third note. (laughs) I did it on purpose as a significance to it's unfinished. Mm -hmm. Is is it noticeable there? I believe so. I hear it because I played it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. I I would love to listen to that song because it it just it's just hard to well to talk about it without listening to without the context. But there's actually very interesting thought that I wanted to share uh, that just came into my mind uh, because of this whole idea of getting back to the older material or just in general listening to your older material, whatever it might be, like from any age from any period of your life, whether you were like already being a professional or not, it doesn't matter. Because uh, what what I find very important is that what I feel, how I personally feel about my recordings, when I get back to my first album, to my second album or something, I listen to it and I go like, I mean, yeah, there are so many things that I would do differently, musically, like technically, uh, production-wise, because I've been developing this whole new skill set for for years. And of course, if you like compare my like latest recordings to my first recordings, the difference would be huge. I think that's actually what makes you see that you actually have been progressing as a musician. Because if you would be listening to your first album from like 20 years ago or 30 years ago, and you would be like, well, he's genius. I have nothing to add. Then probably there's something is wrong with you. Unless if it's Black <laughs> Album by Metallica or like any like legendary album by the Beatles or something like that. Like if you like listen to your, your own recording from like years ago and you like, it's genius like i wouldn't change anything then probably it's well probably you haven't been progressing because uh, at least to me it's like that but what's even more important is that i don't want to take down all this all recordings as well but not only because they have some specific emotions that i've been putting at that exact moment of time but also because they just simply kind of symbolize this whole time that it was written like for example my first album it was recorded in the in like throughout the 2015 and i released it in february 2016 when i was 18 and the thing is that i know for myself analyzing this album now that it did, did my best Really, I couldn't do better back then. It was like, I did everything I could. I was satisfied with this work. I was like, yeah, okay, it's good enough. That's my first album. That's my debut album. It's good enough to be uploaded. It's good enough to be released. It's good enough to be shared with the world. Even though now I feel like, of course, so many things could be done differently. But I think what's very important is to not to forget about this feeling that at that point of time, you did your best. That's what's embodied in this music and then at some point maybe 10 years after if you really want you can do the remaster of it you can do like the whole new re-recording of this album but still not taking away the first one how it was recorded because surprisingly lots of people like lots of my listeners still listening to my first album like i would never listen i was no just so poorly played it was a poor guitar it was like a very simple recording and all of that stuff i realize it now because i've been progressing throughout all this time i've always been trying new things but back then it was sort of a pinnacle at least to my like ambitions to my skills to my right, mindset right. of an 18 year old guy who was just studying in the university and didn't have any experience with recording music in general it was my first album i think what's that's what's really precious about it that's what really has this 
very like maybe immature but authentic vibe in it when you listen to it like it just really sounds like a guy from school trying yeah. to do something that, that it definitely my newer records definitely don't sound like that they're super polished they're super like sophisticated and everything is played as perfectly as it's possible to my well level now but it's a different recording it's different me i think that's why it's important to well it's also a good thing to follow your progress in general comparing every single every new recording that you do and eventually after some years or like even after a couple of years seeing wow that's been a long way like i've changed so much and my approach changed so much and i got so much more thoughtful about what i'm doing and i'm not talking about skill but thoughtful and like more like perfectionist and more like specific with details i think that's there there's some beauty in it just seeing your progress but accepting who you were before and not taking it down even if it's cringe because it's like well even if it's cringe it was you it was like your cringe it was your like hardly made cringe it was your pinnacle and why not to keep it that's, that's i like that that i hadn't heard that put that way that's really good i like that glad i got that from I'd like to say a thank you for my contributors, and I would like to welcome you guys to contribute as well. You can click the link in the description of this podcast and donate $1, 5 or $10 a month. You can also do a one-time donation by going to trps.us forward slash podcast. And I have on there available for you to donate on Cash App, PayPal, or Venmo. Thanks in advance for your contribution. If you'd like to record a question or comment to possibly be aired on a future podcast, just click the message link in the description of this episode or visit the Real Paul Show podcast on Anchor FM. Return you to the interview. The other thing we'll move on to as you're on the podcast now, and I'm sure that you'll be sharing this out to your fans. So what is it that you would like to say to your fans as they'll be here listening to you? <laughs> yeah, we definitely love to share it. Yeah, uh, actually, I've been um, spending the last couple of days uh, just uh, on my Facebook and on my Instagram, finding all the old messages from people and uh, replying to all of them, starting from like last summer or something, because like <laughs> because there are lots of messages. I spend like around eight hours a day just replying to people, and I wow. don't play. That, that's the thing. That's the modern life of a musician. You don't play. You just spend all the time on your Gmail or like <laughs> replying to messages. But that's the thing even though it's exhausting sometimes it's like socially energetically exhausting because i'm pretty introverted and uh, like my sociables like energy is very limited i always need to take rests i always need to spend time on my own and not like interacting with it i feel very good when i'm alone nobody's disturbing me. and of course when you you have to talk with people even on the internet even if it's just People writing to good stuff, like just saying thank you for your music, this is also can be exhausting because you still need to reply to people. But what I believe is that I'm, I'm saying like you need to reply. Of course, you don't need to. There is like nobody's going to be offended, I hope, if like I, for example, take if it takes me sometimes a couple of months to get back to somebody's message. But what I think is that I'm not 
this such a crazy fame level like Eminem or somebody like that who just physically can't reply to anybody. And the cool thing is about replying to people staying in touch with the fan base is that you see that it's they are so incredibly loyal. There are some people who I've been chatting with like three years ago and then sometimes they pop up in my feed and asking me when I'm going to be touring in the US. I don't remember that person. I don't know who's that. But I see that there was a conversation three years ago and I'm like, wow, this is cool. I mean, people actually not forgetting you. People are following you. Maybe not actively. Maybe you don't see them commenting you. Maybe you don't see them fighting for you with haters in the comments. But they are following you. They are your like loyal fan base. And this is amazing. And there are so many people who being like, well, not my friends, but way more than fans. Like people who are just care for what I'm doing, like always follow my releases, always buy my stuff, always come to my concerts. And of course, I'm, I'm, it's important to also keep this line between the like a friend and, and a fan, because otherwise you would be having too many relationships with people in your life that are too superficial. Because, well, you can't possibly like have get in touch and stay in touch with hundreds of people every day. But to have a very friendly communication, like not in a way of, at least in a way of replying. I think that's that's where it starts. And if person is realizes that you have time, that you're busy, they're not going to be uh, intrusive. They're not going to be asking you every day how you're doing. But the sweetest people who just congratulate me with my new releases, the, sweet, the sweetest people who ask me like what I'm working on now, when my new video is going to be released, when I'm going to be touring here and there in their city. And this is just amazing. The people who repost my videos, the people who share it with their friends. There are lots of beautiful people, wonderful people from India, from Philippines, from Indonesia, from America, from Europe, from Russia, uh, from Ukraine. That's why I think that it's so nice to be in the middle of this musical world doing instrumental music without lyrics that manages to gather so many different people of different religion, of different uh, cultures, of different ages, because there are people who like, I don't know, there are kids who write to me, tell me that I'm like, they're being biggest idol or something and then there are like older people who come to my concerts in Germany for example who also enjoy what I'm doing and this is just amazing that there is really this music has no borders <laughs> like it doesn't know the borders in terms of age in terms of your like musical preferences or anything it can be your listener can be anybody in the world that you can imagine and this is the this is the most beautiful thing and that's why I'm so thankful that uh, it transcends the whole like country boundaries and all the stuff all the, it transcends all the conflicts and everything else and eventually i feel like i'm just being a citizen of the world and this is beautiful I, i'm surrounded by people from all the different cultures and all the different cities all the different countries and uh, i gather a little bit of everything from them whether i'm touring in china whether i'm touring in america it's all different sometimes people ask me like where you have the best concerts like in what country which country you like the most to tour and to play and i'm like well, they're all different. Like some people are just, well, in some countries, people are more restricted and some people, they are more like easygoing and like relaxed on the concerts, but it doesn't change the fact of what you feel afterward. There can be very reserved people in Russia who wouldn't be like even moving their muscle during the concert. You wouldn't be thinking that they hate you, that you're doing something totally wrong. But then after the concert, they're going to be coming to you and saying that it was this was the best concert in their life. Then there are people in America who would be start like laughing out loud from the very first joke you're going to you're going to say and you would be feeling like, yes, that's going to be easy. It's going to be like they're going to be understanding my sense of humor. It's going to be like just fine. I can say any type of like random stuff that would be coming into my head and we would be catching this same vibe and we're going to be vibing together and going to be understanding. And uh, this is just so different, but eventually made me realize that like i mean all the people are even though they're from different sides of the world we're all the same 
we all like have our own like the same problems we love the same stuff i want to be a friend for everybody with my music with myself as a personality and i want to stay thankful even though i was saying that oh it takes so much time to reply to people no it's still my pleasure like i'm even though i can get socially tired of it i always keep this thought in mind that i should not be taking that for granted. Even if like I have to reply with more or less the same words to everybody with thank you, I still need to, I always keep that in mind of how much of an effort I should be taking to find a musician that I like. And also taking the effort not only to find him on Spotify, but to find his page and write to him something personal. To say nothing about going to the concert, it's so much effort. Who would be doing that? That's the question to keep in mind, to, to always keep that in mind and staying grateful to all the people, even if it's like a short message of like, thank you, like I enjoy my music or you're cool or you're dope or whatever. This is the, all, all of that makes sense. All of that makes sense to take your time and to reply to these people, because I think, well, I think that would make their day a little bit better since they already wrote to you. Yeah, all, all that long passage is just to say thank you to all my fans, whenever you are, guys, whenever you're listening this from, from which part of the world, I'm sending you a big thank you and big warm regards with so much love, with all my love my little heart can take. Yeah, and hope to see you at my concerts. Yeah, I actually, I did have one fan that contacted me on my website. I had mm. built a forum and they popped into my forum and all they did was type one little line. I don't believe English was their first language, but mm -hmm. they gave the effort to type in English and tell me that they liked my music and they were going to go listen to some more. <laughs> I was like, that's cool. That was really cool. That's and, wonderful. and you're right. Different countries are just different. There is no really particular like of, oh, this one's better or that one's better. They're just uniquely different. And we all make up this one entire globe, yeah. this one entire world. And that's what makes music so beautiful because it is a very universal language. And even if there's lyrics, I don't know how many people I've seen from Russia, from China, from these different languages, and they're singing in English, but they don't know a lick of English. They don't know how to speak English. Yeah, yeah. But they're singing it. It's like, it just blows my mind. It's so cool that that music is like that. I just, I don't know. I just love it. I love it. On the last part, what I like to do is I ask you to share with my listeners how they can find you. Thank you for listening to us until this point. Really happy that we got to have this conversation with Paul. Happy to be here at his uh, podcast, The Real Paul Show. And if you guys are hearing me now for the first time, if you got interested, hopefully, uh, please do, in what I'm doing in my music, Paul has uh, keywords on his forum when you can easily find me using the word Alex, or you can just use my surname, which is spelled like M-I-S-K-O, Misko, super easy, five letters, to find me anywhere. I have my Instagram, I have my website, I have my YouTube, I have my Spotify, and I have my music on all the digital platforms that you can imagine. So any platform that you use, that you find the most comfortable, I'm going to be there. If you have any questions, if you would want to stay in touch with me, if you want to write, if you want to get a message from me or uh, just write to me something, whether it's offensive or not, you can uh, use my Instagram or Facebook on my website as well. I'm trying to stay in touch with everybody and would be happy to stay in touch with you guys. All right. Is there anything that maybe we haven't mentioned that you wanted to mention? Thank you for listening to me, guys. Thank you for staying with us here. I hope it was interesting. I hope it was exciting. And uh, feel free to check out other Paul's podcasts here. He's got a plenty of episodes. 
yeah, thanks again, Paul, for having me today, tonight, tomorrow morning, yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever time you have now, guys. Yeah. And I hope to hear from you soon. Awesome. That's cool. And I'm very happy that I got you on here. I just, like I said, when I saw your stuff, I was just blown away. I love it. And to get to talk to you, it was uh, a pleasure. Thank you so much, Paul. Likewise. That concludes this week's interview. And because of the running time of this show, I'm going to bypass the On Focus. Just be sure to check out Sarah Toll, Natalie Miranda, and Constant for their latest releases. I will leave a link in the description for each of them. If you would like to check them out, you can go to the forum and put in the keywords Sarah or Natalie or constant and that will take you to their music where you can check them out thank you so much for joining us this week and i look forward to seeing you next week the real paul show is recorded edited produced and published by paul bice i am your host paul bice Periodic co-host is Jeremy. I will from time to time bring on random co-hosts and they will be announced immediately following this segment. Ads are read by Scotty DeYoung and Ophelia Leon. Music behind Ophelia's ad reads are written by Paul Bice. The Real Paul Show podcast is a TRPS production. Thank you for listening to yet another episode of The Real Paul Show. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss an episode. And remember, do what you love with no regrets.